Welcome back to another episode of Millennials in Healthcare. I'm your millennial, Miguel Johns, here with my special guest, Luis Rodriguez, president hey, of Keycentrics. Hey, Miguel, how you doing? Doing very well. Why don't you go ahead and tell them a little bit about Keycentrics, what you guys do, what you're all about? Sure. Keycentrics is a technology company. You know, we write software and we provide uh, IT services for healthcare, you know, primarily uh, pharmacies and the likes. But yeah. Full gamut technology. Yeah, so um, to get a little bit more into that, what does a, a, a package look like for, for your customers and the services you provide around that? Sure. I, um, if somebody went with everything we had, they'd have a point of sale uh, for their business. They'd have a, a record system, a system of record uh, for their operations, and they'd have an IT department. Okay, very nice, very nice. So I want to get into your history a little bit. Um, a little bit of your background as a young developer, transitioning to a, a CTO position. What'd that look like? Oh, it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of hard work. Uh, my career did not start in development. Okay. Uh, it started in math. I was doing uh, statistical analysis for the aircraft industry. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so I basically figured out um, how to make things faster. <laughs> Uh, with math, and 9-11 came rolling around, mm -hmm. and it had an impact on the aircraft industry, that probably goes without saying, um, and a couple years later, the, the shoe dropped, and I was part of a layoff. I decided I could work for big institutions, and that's great, a lot of people do that, and mm -hmm. great, make great careers, but I wanted to infuse my sense of uh, compassion into mm -hmm. my business and my sense of personal touch. So uh, at that time, I went and started a, a company myself mm -hmm. called Nerd Unit. Nice. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Nerd yeah, Unit. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, we, we did all right. Um, it was a little too early for me to be entrepreneurial, to mm -hmm. be honest. I wasn't quite ready. So we sold it. Uh, it was good. It was a good sell. And uh, I started at High Touch. And um, at High Touch, I kind of developed my skills on the software side further and further with good mentorship. Mm -hmm. They also mentored me from a business perspective. Uh, we had a good, good long 10-year run with High Touch. Nice. Uh, which led me to the opportunity to be a CTO at Keycentrics. Um, I took it. Nice. And uh, here we are. Yeah, so, so go back a little bit. Um, you said you were working in as a in the math side of things. Yeah. Were you always developing during that time or coding or what got you interested in that piece of the puzzle? Coding happened when I started my own business. So okay. in Nerd Unit, we started with just helping people with their computers. So mm -hmm. uh, the message was once you are established as someone who can do technology mm -hmm. <laughs> in your family and your friends, all of a sudden you start getting calls like, hey, my printer doesn't work. <laughs> So uh, we said, hey, we could probably make a business out of this. There's lots of small mm -hmm. offices that need this kind of help yeah. and don't know it. And so we, we made pretty good inroads in the insurance, you know, insurance mm -hmm. sector, you know, those branch offices. Yeah. Um, and they started needing web services. Um, you know, my teammates were more IT. And since I was mathematical, I started dabbling in writing uh, websites and web applications. Back then, if you wanted a really cool website, you had to do it in ActionScript. <laughs> it wasn't none of this, 
HTML. I mean, the yeah. HTML was big. DHTML was big at that time. Uh, but if you wanted, like, the website, it makes you go, wow. Yeah. And it's responding to your mouse. And yeah. It does things like that. Um, ActionScript was the thing. Macromedia, which turned into Adobe. Okay. Okay. Very uh, so cool. I started coding there. And, you know, when you start coding how to make a cursor, make a ball bounce to, and do things like that on a website, you, you pick up a few tricks and mm-hmm. it was just all downhill from there. <laughs> all downhill from there. <laughs> um, so do you think your um, statistics and mathematics uh, background played a big role in that? Was able to make you oh, be able to learn it much easier? Absolutely. I mean, you've heard this, right? Uh, the word algor- algorithm gets tossed around all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, neural nets and AI are about just the epitome of how algorithms can interact. Mm. Um, and that's math. Nice. That's, Very nice. That's, that's X plus Y equals, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it absolutely translated. Very cool. Well, that explains why I can't code for, uh, for nothing. Uh, <laughs> so You're not a mathematician. I'm not a mathematician. I uh, rely heavily on my calculator. And if I can't do that, then it's, it's out, of my, yeah, out of my world. Know your strengths, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so you went from there. You're learning your skills. You got great mentorship. Um, and then you got your chance at CTO. How was that tr- transition initially? Where, you, of course, I'm sure you had some nerves. I'm sure there was some learning. Um, but what came with being a CTO versus just being a developer on a team? So, I actually, when I left High Touch, I was senior director of software development. Okay. And right about when I left, I had, I was overseeing all but their web development teams, mm-hmm. um, software teams. So they had a number of products from ERP to retail point of sale and a couple of others for independent uh, retailers all the way through uh, publicly traded corporations. So uh, in my experience, I learned a lot there. Mm. Um, and the only team that that I didn't oversee that had development talent was their web team. And that's, you know, at the time they were just doing brochure websites. So okay. it seemed logical to let it stay in the marketing team. But, um, you know, High Touch is a big organization, mm-hmm. and you know, at, at one point, I think I had about sixty-five to seventy people indirectly, you know, reporting on up. So, okay, I, I don't know that the people management was a thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, albeit that anybody that's good at what they do stresses out about whether they're actually good at what they do. <laughs> uh, and I remember, you know, High Touch was my home for ten years. Imagine mm-hmm. doing something for ten years and growing to love your teammates and your people and the people that mentored you um it wasn't an easy decision Mm -hmm. and i remember thinking well you know high touch taught me about the businesses they go after uh what if i'm what if my knowledge is too uh siloed Mm -hmm. in their business uh you know what if i'm just one big old fraud (laughs) so you know i went into the cto position thinking you know, the best thing you can do is realize that you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. And you need to be good at building teams. And, uh, you know, that's the mindset I went into Keycentrics with is building teams and leveraging strength. Um, and out of that diversity, and it's led me to president, so I maybe it's working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> a couple things there. One is the uh, um, experience we went through. A lot of people call that the imposter syndrome. Yeah, they talk about everybody as they start to 
get that success. People are giving them more responsibilities. We all grow through this self-doubt phase of, Absolutely. Am, am I even, can I even really do this? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I'm really glad you brought that up because yeah, yeah. a lot of young entrepreneurs and people, that's, they talk about that a lot. And here's the truth, right? You can be excited about what you're going to put out. That's never been the problem. My skills, what I can do with my skills has never been the problem. The problem is understanding that when you're in leadership, you have lives to take care of, not only from your clients and your customers, but your employees. And if you don't know how to prioritize those lives that, you, that are in your care, um, you're going to fail no matter how good a team you have. And that's scary, right? Because leadership isn't really a position where it's top down. Uh, leadership is a service. You're called to be a servant to your organization. You're called to sacrifice for your organization and carry the big decisions and takes all the punches. And in order for people to do well with you, they have to want to let you lead them. And, you know, going into that CTO position, I had no clue. You know, I you know, essentially grew up with high touch. Mm -hmm. So their ability to trust me, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little different than complete strangers. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Another thing you mentioned there that I want to bring up for um, aspiring entrepreneurs or any young business people out there. He mentioned the team building is, is key for these higher, these higher positions, um, specifically understanding people's strengths and then putting them in positions to, to succeed. One of our favorite leaders, a couple of books that come to mind, um, the one thing you need to know from good to great, um, first break all the rules. Marca, Marcus Beckingham, I believe is the author. Um, he worked at, uh, the gazelle group for a long time and his, he had a, a book called the one thing you need to know. And he outlined what's a leader and what's a manager. And he said, a leader can aspire people towards a vision that's not real yet, but you can motivate people to get behind it. And then a manager understands people's strengths and talents, and then aligns those strengths and talents to bring value to the company. And if you can tie both of those together, then you've got yourself a good leader and manager. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Got to bring back my questions here. So from then, you said that it was working for you. So now you're in the president role. Yeah. How was that transition from going to managing a uh, the, the tech pretty much. And of course you were doing business deals and things like that sure. to kind of running the show. Sure. You know, um, with an established company, high touch and, and Keycentrics, um, a position like CTO is operational. It's tactical. And as a result, it's very internally focused. You're focused on getting the best output out of your team, maintaining the morale, finding the right partnerships to en enhance your deliverables mm -hmm. as they are given to you. Uh, it's internally focused. When you get into an executive role um, that is not internally focused, like one of a president, you learn that your job and your service to the job now has to expand beyond making sure the nuts and bolts are where you want them and has to expand into uh, growing the business and looking for those right external opportunities that grow it. Um, and that's a bit of a mind shift for someone who is mathematical to begin with, okay? <laughs> we're, we're nuts and bolts. Yeah. Uh, to leading into um, development, which is nuts and bolts mm. and empirical, right? <laughs> uh, to, you know, getting to higher levels of leadership in that same mindset and same engineering mindset to finally being in a place where you kind of have to set that down a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, in order to do the best job for the organization. And that's been a little bit of a, <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah. 
It's, it's, but it's, it's a mind shift because um, although getting the external parts are entertaining, mm. right? And I think you can probably attest to this as yeah. you're trying to grow your organization, you're out there. Yeah. And that's the fun part. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, what's not uh, so fun when you're uh, tactically minded like I am is when you come back, not necessarily having all the fingers in all the right places to mm -hmm. make the product what you have in your mind. And that's why team building is so critical because you have to be able to trust your organization to execute mm -hmm. and, and do what they need to do. And although I trust my people, it's still kind of against, yeah, know, it's a little bit OCD. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> why did you put that button there? Yeah. That's, I don't like that button there, right? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That does. That does. So transitioning now from kind of your background and your how you've grown through um, your development and where you're at now into healthcare. Um, so first I want to start with what are you loving about healthcare right now, whether that's changes going on, whether that's something that's done the way it is. Um, let's start there. All right. Well, you know, comparing it to my experience now at, at High Touch, I had the benefit of experiencing a number of industries from food service to retail to financial to you know a, a touch of consumer uh, with um, you know sprint a little bit um, so I you know you get your mindset gets adjusted to those businesses you learn you, you absorb it uh, what's very different about all of those consumer facing organizations that you're writing solutions so that they can go after the consumer mm -hmm. right is that in healthcare they don't really look at their patients like retailers look at consumers and you know all healthcare organizations are oriented to give the best care mm -hmm. for a number of reasons it's a compassionate industry but it's riddled with procedure and problems with interoperability and problems with co collaboration i mean if there's ever a sector that needs a technology infusion at its highest order it's healthcare but with all that stress and with all the uh, legislation around it, right? Um, typically the providers uh, are worn out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what excites me about this particular sector is the bar is low to come in and bring in some structure mm -hmm. um, and bring in some help, bring in some tools. Um, and I think that's, you know, I don't want to plug, but I think that's what our software does really well mm -hmm. is it says, listen, you have to be able to grow your business in all directions in healthcare. So we're going to give you something that can grow with you in terms of solutions. And, you know, when we land that customer and they go on our system and we get that feedback saying, you know, we chose Keycentrics products because it had features we didn't know we needed, mm -hmm. you know, inside of an industry that procedurally is pretty well defined um even though it changes to hear that you know you're winning right because you are showing them how things they didn't know existed could apply to them right you're defining the solution um as opposed to just making the better saddle right yeah. like it's yeah you know, hey i make saddles that's what the guy from slack says we don't we don't, <laughs> we don't make saddles here right uh, uh Making saddles means you got to sell on what quality of leather it is, how good a stitching you do, how long does it last. <laughs> and that's what everyone who makes saddles is saying. Yeah. 
when you're not selling saddles and you're selling something that you don't even know you need, right? Mm -hmm. Then you've got to tell this person, right? It's more, right? (laughs) Than what you've known. You don't even know what problems we're going to solve because you've never had our solution, (laughs) right? Yeah. And defining that in terms of in our industries, defining those solutions, defining that market, being a leader in it, man, that's exhilarating. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what's really fun about it. And it's ripe. I mean, in fact, it's so ripe. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Love that answer. And man, you guys might have to rewind this one back a couple times because he's dropping some some real nuggets here for us. I'll be dropping knowledge. Man, this is Is beautiful. That's why we invited you on. Yep. (laughs) The guy behind the camera is judging me. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's doing social media. He's getting some snaps ready for for our um, Instagram pages. He's doing the whole work. So... (laughs) He's working probably three oh, cameras my, at once. My team, is, my team is not going to let me live that down. <laughs> as soon as they hear this, they're going to... That is great. So, <laughs> so what would you say is the biggest thing that needs... You've mentioned um, healthcare needs this technology push. Um, what needs to change the quickest right now? And I know when I bring providers in here, for example, or... Um, people who are in, in the space where we're trying to improve health outcomes. Everybody's focused on this value-based health care. That's what we want to see. Is that something that in your industry being a little bit different that you guys are interested in? Or what's your guys' topic of discussion? Absolutely. I think there's nothing technology-wise that has legs mm-hmm. in the healthcare space if it doesn't ultimately lead to a better outcome mm-hmm. for the patient, which means it's a value situation, mm-hmm. hands down. Um, I think... Um, you know, if I were to roll it up in a nutshell, I'm a little bit terrified for the smaller organizations that are so critical for personal health and personal engagement in healthcare. I, and I, I think a good example is your solution is is attempting to solve a problem, right? That hits to my point, which mm-hmm. is there isn't enough people and and not enough not enough of an easy process for people to use the tools they have, insurance and otherwise, to get the right information to help develop the right habits because that's largely what healthcare is about. Mm-hmm. If I can't cure you, it's about giving you better habits. Yep. Right? And you know, we focused on the cure a lot. We don't necessarily focus on all the habits. And when it all comes together, right, I'm terrified about that small practice that can't play ball with the big insurance companies can't mm. play ball with the big pharmaceutical reps uh, because they can't systematically create the solutions that the insurance companies can. Yeah. And when you see that vertical consolidation, you know, from uh, CVS to Caremark to Aetna, for yeah. instance, uh, it's a red flag. It's such a red flag, right, that you see people like Amazon come out of nowhere I try to counteract it. Yeah. And in that world, it means that a lot of the little guys, the guys that have been caring about your health for a long, long time, are getting left behind. Yeah. Yeah. That is, man, that is, uh, that's the first time I've heard it put like that, which is great, because that is a wealth of knowledge in there. What do you think the future in a, uh, in a utopia, the future of healthcare, what, what is the 10 to 25 to 50 years from now if everything goes right, this innovation wave that's hitting right now, the legislature, legislature changes, um, 
we get a little more consumer focused, so it's not so much uh, like cable TV where you're for your insurance, you're paying for all these channels you don't use, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, what's the absolute best look like for you? Well, personally, um, I think in the ideal scenario, we don't really limit the market from consolidating or not, or mm -hmm. providing vertically stacked solutions, but we all do focus on creating a certain level of interoperability mm -hmm. that prioritizes the patient's outcomes over preserving any particular type of revenue. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, in between, right, the, you know, I mentioned CVS's vertical integration, yeah. you know, they're not the only ones. I don't want to pick on them. Yeah. Humana and others are, and, and United Health are doing similar, but, um, you know, in my mind, right in between the layers in between those vertical integrations are people that flow the information, right? Mm -hmm. The people that get the data from one system to another, which is so critical for the end provider to do such a good job. Yeah. Um, that's a cluster. <laughs> That's just a complete mess. <laughs> I think in a utopia, we figure out a way to do interoperability without relying on any for-profit or private business to grease the wheels. And I think examples of how that could work are buried in cryptocurrency mm -hmm. and blockchain, where it's decentralized, but it's not necessarily made a public institution, mm -hmm. because obviously we'll never get past that discussion of private or public. Yeah in today's politics. So maybe what we can do is find that gray area. We're really just working in each other's best interests. Very cool. Love that. Love that. And for you guys who are in that digital health space, if you're in a position like myself where you're a young entrepreneur and looking where to innovate, um, blockchain is is huge right now in, in digital health. A lot of people looking for solutions there. Um, yeah. That's It's kind of a, outside of cryptocurrency, it's kind of an embryo on how it could work. Yeah in other spaces, but the general idea of a decentralized but fully authenticated data exchange has extreme amount of potential and power. And you don't see commercials talking about blockchain <laughs> unless it has that potential. But, but let's be real, nobody knows really what they're doing with it. So yeah. they're just trying to associate the cool word blockchain <laughs> with their company. Uh -huh. So when everybody figures out what they're going to do with it, <laughs> Your name is in the mix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That is great. So as we wrap up here, we've got tons of great information that you've shared with us already. What can young leaders do to accelerate their development and prepare for the uphill battle that comes with healthcare innovation, whether they're just leaving residency and their provider, whether they're new to the space as an entrepreneur, or they're just joining an organization that's really innovative, but they want to do their part? Well, I suppose um, if I had to stress any particular skill, um, and I don't want to be cliche, mm. but you really need to learn to listen. I think in my years of experience, and I've certainly been labeled this way a couple of times myself, but it's very easy um, to do your homework, to master your skills, walk into a room with your ideas and your excitement level, and talk in such a way that it seems like you believe you're the only smart one in the room. <laughs> and it's, it's a day and age of talking, mm -hmm. but what people aren't doing necessarily is listening. And, you know, I think if you can find a way to communicate that's founded in listening to the person who you're communicating to, 
your ability to assimilate knowledge in such a diverse and complicated industry is going to skyrocket. Um, because if, if you're just talking um, at some point, right, you're just saying the words, but you don't even really know what all those things are, mm. let alone how you can best solve them. Yeah. So listen first. Dominate your ability to listen and then learn how to weaponize what you learn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Man, I love that. That's, I mean, this is, this is a, uh, the podcast about me today, but what Luis just talked about is something that I love to practice in my own world, um, especially in the healthcare space. I've surrounded myself with very intelligent people like Luis, um, a few other of our mentors, very experienced providers. And so when I do go and do get my opportunity to say things, people think I'm smart as heck. And really, I've just been stealing all the people around me's ideas. I just tell them what I listened to just at the previous meeting. So I'm so glad you brought that up. That is well, like you, you can steal from me anytime. Well, I appreciate it. I do. Um, that's all we have on today's episode. Man, you guys are going to have to run this one back a couple times. Great information, not only on leadership, but on healthcare, seeing it from a different perspective. Um, this is the first time we've had anybody from uh, the pharmacy technology world in. Uh, so we appreciate your time, Luis. Thank yeah. you. I promise you that when you post this somewhere, I don't know where you're posting uh -huh. it, but when you post it somewhere, the whole time when I listen back to this, I'm going to be thinking, is that what I sound like? <laughs> <laughs> is that really what I sound like? Because maybe I should just stop talking. <laughs> It'll be, so we'll have it up on Facebook. Um, we'll run it on LinkedIn. It's on, it's going to be on Spotify, um, awesome. Apple Podcasts, wow, Google Podcasts, all the good stuff. Hey. Yeah, well, there's there's cool tools now that you just press one button and it sends it everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, so we don't have to do too much work. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of Millennials in Healthcare. Catch you next time. Peace.